everybody, and welcome back to the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. You are joining us for an episode in a series of episodes where we are covering our top five TV themes. We started this earlier this year, covered our top five from the first half of the 70s, our top five from the second half of the 70s, top half of the 80s, bottom half of the 80s. Just keep on going. And our last episode, which came out just last week, we did the top five TV themes from 1990 to 1994. Today, we're back for the top five TV themes, 1995 to 1999. Yeah, right before we started this, D, I told you I, I love doing this. It's a little bit out of my normal sweet spot. Yeah. And so it transports me back to a time that I don't visit as much as 1987, say. Sure. But uh, so we're going to do 95 to 99. I was, I got married in 96. So this is a transition in my life. It's a little bit different, which I think is really cool. At least for me, I went to college in 91 and that's when music changed. Yeah. Right. So my high school years and my college years, totally different in music. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, late nineties, I'm married. And so my TV watching is a little bit different, you know? Right. Well, I mentioned the, uh, you know, the three and a half weeks that Gregorian chants were popular in 1994 on our previous episode. <laughs> right. I happened to go look and see what other things were on the top albums at that time. I mean, you had Pearl Jam 10, you had Nirvana, Nevermind, you had all of these huge albums. And then of course you've got Gregorian chants. That was a little weird. You know, there are some mysterious shooting comets from the 90s that make no sense to me. Well, I mean, you just, in addition to the change in popular music from the heavy metal of the 80s to the alternative music that first came out, like Nirvana and Pearl Jam, you also had the introduction of a whole lot more rap music, different kinds of rap music. You had the introduction of the New Age music, which yeah. was really popular at that time. And then you had bands like Primus that were doing stuff that you can't even define. Right. And so it was really an incredible time for music. And that translated into what we were hearing out of our TV shows as well. You mentioned the name Primus. We're going to talk about them here in just a minute. Oh, yes, we are. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So I see a crossover coming ahead. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. All right, so we are going to jump right in just as a reminder of the rules. As long as this show was playing sometime from 1995 to 1999, it qualifies, and we stick with songs that were composed specifically for the show or were otherwise going to be lost in the mist of history but became super mega hits because they were associated with the show. That was Jason's pass from the last episode. Yes. <laughs> bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? Who would know that song if not for the show Cops? Yes. And I may ask for a little bend in the rules this time as well. That doesn't surprise <laughs> me. And by the way, I will note that you did not bend in the rules at all when we did our top five worst sequels of the 80s, but I can accept that because eventually we will be doing our top five worst sequels of the 90s and some of those things that I had to kick off my list will come back up. That's right. It's for your own good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, are we ready? Yes. Now, I started last time, so why don't you start this time with your number five? Five. Number five. All right. This song was composed by a world-famous composer from movies that you and I love. He was also the lead singer of a weird rock band that we've talked about on this podcast. I know exactly which show you are referring to, and it will come up later on my list at number three. Do you want me to name it, or do you want to 
Let's come back to it. Let's come back to it. Okay. Let's punt it down the road. All right. That so, was my number five. All right. Now, here is my number five. This song is only at number five because it came out in 1999. It is still going today. And I think, I'm going to say this now, you're going to notice kind of a theme for some of the shows that I'm going to mention throughout this episode that you might not expect, okay? Okay. Again, not a show I grew up with, but a show my kids grew up with. Interesting, okay. Now, this song is so catchy that before even the music starts, the words of the guy who's about to sing you a song will tell you what you need to start singing in just a second, right? But before I get there, let me just tell you, the show was created by a guy named Steven Hillenberg. He was a marine biology educator. He had worked at Orange County Marine Institute and then, I guess, decided he wanted to change his vocation and went back to school to study art. He gets a job working as an artist for another TV show called Rocco's Modern Life, which is a popular show itself. Okay. And then he pitches this show to the production company. Right. Let me just tell you, this show is the most profitable property for Paramount Consumer Products. What? It is Nickelodeon's highest rated series. By 2019, it had generated over $13 billion in revenue. What are you talking about? And... The theme song was also composed by this marine biology guy who had become an artist, okay? So the song is performed by a voice actor named Patrick Piney. He voiced Mighty Mouse whenever they did Mighty Mouse The New Adventures in 87 and 88, which was a cartoon I loved at that point. Okay. He also voiced Uncle Traveling Matt in the animated version of Fraggle Rock. He voiced Mainframe for G.I. Joe the movie, which we may talk about later. We had a great suggestion from Jason Coslett to do Transformers the movie and possibly do it against G.I. Joe the movie, and I think that's the perfect combination. Yeah. But anyway, he voiced Mainframe, and he also appeared in The Terminator, 1984. What? But probably you know him best when he calls out these words. Are you ready, kids? Aye, aye, Captain! I can't hear you! Aye, aye, Captain! Oh! (laughs) Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? That is an excellent one. Dude, you can't hear that music, even not having grown up with it. (laughs) I know, right? You cannot hear that music without singing along, even if you just go, SpongeBob SquarePants. I saw some talk show, and they were interviewing people on the street. Yes. And they would go up to people, and they're like, who is the vice president of the United States? (laughs) And they had no idea, right? Yes. And he said, who lives in a pineapple under the sea? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, it was great. So I mentioned last episode when you brought up Craig T. Nelson and Coach that another, you remember Dauber from Coach, sure, right? you well, bet. Yep. Dauber is, the actor's name is is Bill Fagerbake. Yep. And he is the voice for Patrick, SpongeBob's very best friend, Starfish. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. I guess that's right. I, I, I hadn't put that together before. Yeah. And Clancy Brown is Mr. Krabs. Clancy Brown, the bad guy from Highlander. Iconic. Sadly... The show creator that also helped write the theme music, Stephen Hellenberg, passed away in 2018 at only 57 years old. He had contracted ALS, but 
in Super Bowl 53, Maroon 5 did a tribute to him on their halftime show. It was great. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, so we're to my number four. Four. This song, the original singer was a guy. Okay. okay? Yeah. That's not the important part. <laughs> All right? That he was a guy? He's just a guy. Just a guy. Just just a guy who sang this uh, season one. And uh, the, the show did so well that they called in the replacement singer and brought in to cover the same theme song, Cheap Trick. Oh, okay. I got a TV theme by Cheap Trick I'm trying to figure yes. out? Yes. Yeah, I'm not, I got nothing. Keep going. Cheap Trick, singer of the world-famous song from Top Gun, Mighty Wings. Yeah, your favorite song from that album. Right. <laughs> Along with Surrender and I Want You to Want Me and a billion other songs from the 70s. I think I got it. I think I had it before you said the 70s. <laughs> I know that I've got it now. This is the theme from that 70s show. You got it. Wisconsin. I, I honestly, this was in my radar. I was like, okay, this is a big song. And I listened to it and I'm like, eh, it's not really that great. What makes this song great is the fact that they're all singing it in the car. That's true. Yeah. Things. I mean, that just the humor and fun of that is what makes this song so great. I agree with you. The song is not particularly wonderful, but the participation of the cast and the singing and the fun and the rearranging seats and all that stuff, it's very Wayne's World. Yes. By the way, I learned this today. Okay. The character on the show named Fez, they all call him Fez. Yes. His name is not Fez, okay? That's not his name. Oh. They call him Fez because he's a foreign exchange student. <laughs> I never really realized that. Wow. This theme song does a great job of, of sort of bringing us back to a time when you would drive around and you're doing a whole lot of nothing, but you're hanging out. There's nothing to do, but you're hanging out with your friends. Yeah. Have you seen that 90s show? No. No. Same cast. It's back, but, you know, it's crazy because in the 90s 20 years ago was in the 70s that is insane the dude 90s is 30 years ago I, now bro you're hurting my feelings yeah okay here is my number four okay this show ran from 1997 to 2010 the theme song for the show was composed by the group the refreshments which when i first moved to tulsa in 1996 i got to see live at edgefest 96 i still have a t-shirt that has the refreshments on the back of the t-shirt okay they're a fun group i would tell people they they put on the best show they got up there and they had a fantastic time and the song that they use for the show is called yahoos and triangles yahoos and triangles you don't know it yet do you no okay nothing the soundtrack for this show, for this TV series, came out in 1998, had two singles off of it. One of them was Move It On Over by Travis Tritt and George Thorogood, and the other one was Get In Line by Bare Naked Ladies. It has a ton, I mean, all kinds of artists that you wouldn't expect to be together on one album, but what I'm about to say, I think will give it away. Okay. The show was created by the same guy who gave us Office Space and Beavis and Butthead. Is this Daria? Damn it, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> it's King of the Hill. <laughs> so 
So I've expanded my knowledge on the information about the song itself, but again, you have this great introduction, partly because of what's going on on the screen in front of you, which is the guys standing around drinking beer in fast motion, where they're back and forth and back and forth, and it's, yeah. it's absolutely hysterical. And then, of course, you have the cowbell come in, and it's so perfect. It's total fun. It's total fun. Beavis and Butthead was such a huge force in my life in the 90s. Yeah. I considered the Beavis and Butthead theme song for this. Oh, well, all right. That's a good one. Okay, moving on to my number three. Three. This song was composed by a guy named Bruce Miller, okay? And his directions were, do not be specific about any subject that the show is about. So you've got to be very vague. Okay. Now then, so he takes some lyrics, puts them together. You know the words of this song. I know the words of this song. But if you stop and think, what in the heck do these words mean? It might be a little confusing. Okay. Okay. So these are two food items that symbolize something that is mixed up. Okay. Drawing a blank. All right. Let me throw this at you. The food items are tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Quite stylish. And maybe I, I know this. And these lyrics only come out yeah, in the closing credits, but this was the song that I was like, I can't, I don't want to cut this from my list, but I'm confident yeah. Jason is going to cover it. This is the theme song from Frazier. Scrambled eggs all over my face. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. It doesn't make any sense. Scrambled eggs all over my face. Kelsey Grammer singing the lyrics on the outro. It's a great song, both at the beginning and the end, but definitely the end is the more memorable bit. Yeah, I think it's fun that Kelsey Grammer is the actual actor singer. Yes. Makes it fun. By the way, I think somebody should start a Frasier podcast. <laughs> I think that's a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> we are on to my number three. Okay, now the composer on this one is a guy who had a brief touch on composing music for movies in 1980 with this extremely weird movie called Forbidden Zone. Okay. And we've talked about him before, but his big break didn't come until five years later, whenever he teamed up with a director that we've covered and an actor that just passed away for Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Allow me to get my number five paper out. <laughs> I wanted to give you those tidbits before we jump back in. <laughs> the actor who just passed away, of course, Paul Rubens. This is Danny Elfman and The Simpsons. Yeah, so as you mentioned when you talked about your number five, this is by Danny Elfman, who is a weird rocker in a group with his brother back in the 70s. Right. Showed a group that appeared on the gong show, of all things, and I think probably got gonged. They were bizarre. They were bizarre. But then he becomes a film composer, does Pee-wee's Big Adventure, then of course does Batman 89. I mean, throw Beetlejuice in there and you've got the makings of one of the greatest film composers of all time. So listen to this. I did a episode with Jeff Johnson. It's a Patreon episode on the movie Wisdom, which starred Emilio Estevez and Demi Moore. It's kind of a little-known movie from 1986. Okay. Danny Elfman composed the music for that movie. When I dove into Danny Elfman for that episode, his big break comes when Tim Burton selects him to do Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Right. 
And it's so stylistic, it really sets the tone for the goofiness and the weirdness of that movie. He almost didn't accept the job because he's like, why me? I'm in this goofy, weird, off-the-wall band. Boingo Boingo, by the way, Boingo, which we Boingo. haven't mentioned. Yeah. Why would you think that I could compose a score for a movie? And Tim Burton, to his credit, saw his genius and said, well, you just have such a style. I think you can do it. If you go back and listen to some of the old Oingo Boingo music, there are some that's they're, they're specifically styling it to sound like a circus. And if you think circus, when you listen to Danny Elfman's early works, you're like, oh, yeah. I see what Tim Burton would see. Yeah. Yes, so the theme for The Simpsons, one of the most recognizable themes in television history. It won the National Music Award for Favorite TV Theme in 2002. It's been nominated at least three times for Emmys. And Danny says that of all of the music that he has done, this is the most popular of his career. Yeah, this was my number five. You know, this song has been covered by... Green Day, Weezer, and Hans Zimmer, of all people. Well, okay. That's interesting. How about that? I'd like to hear Hans Zimmer's version. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> Been going for a long time, man. Yeah. That took me from high school and is still going? Still going. It's incredible. So we are to my number two. Two. Okay, D, this is where I'm going to ask you to bend the rules for me a little bit. Okay. So this song was not composed specifically for this show. However, I'm going to lay myself on the mercy of the court here because it was so regional and so specific to one city, it was completely unknown to me. This song was written by Ian Hunter. It's from his album, You're Never Alone with the Schizophrenic. This song became really associated with one particular city, much like Heart of Rock and Roll from Huey Lewis. Right. This city took a lot of jabs and was put down a lot. And he's like, you know what? This city's cool, man. This city's really got a lot of character. In fact, Cleveland rocks. See, I knew the song, but I don't, I can't remember the show. Okay, so... Before I tell you the show, yeah. this song was played every Friday at 5 p.m. from a particular radio station, WMMS, in Cleveland. And it became so ingrained in Cleveland culture that Ian Hunter got a key to the city in 1979. <laughs> okay? Okay. The song goes to the Drew Carey Show. All this energy calling me Back where it comes from Okay, I, you know what? I watched the show. I watched it. Did you? Frequently. Yeah? Yes. And now that we play the theme, I'm like, yes, okay, I know that theme, but again, it is so far back. It's so far gone. It's not one that's being syndicated. Yeah. I mean, he's doing The Price is Right, for goodness sake. Mr. Price is Right, and whose line is it anyway, right? Right. Well done. Thank you for bringing back an old hit. I love it. So we're to your number two, D. Okay. My number two ran from 1993 to 2002, nine seasons. And then a 10th season came out in 2016. An 11th season came out in 2018. It spawned two feature films and features the whistling of the composer's wife. Allow me to pull out my honorable mention. <laughs> this is The X-Files. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, so this came up on your honorable mentions from our last episode. As you noted, the song's title is actually Materia Primoris. At least that's what they put it on the album, but everybody knows it as the X-Files theme. Yes. This hit number one in France (laughs) on the SNEP singles chart. And as you mentioned last episode, they were trying to get it. Chris Carter, the creator of the show, who also created Millennium, which Mark Snow, the composer, composed the music for Millennium as well. He's done a ton of stuff, but those are the two shows that people really know him for. But Chris Carter was like, you haven't got it quite right yet. And in frustration, he just puts his whole arm onto his keyboard and it creates that echoey effect it's probably an arpeggio program in the keyboard that they had didn't even know it was there. It happens, and lightning strikes. Mysteriously jumps out of the keyboard. I believed you knew <laughs> what the answer was. <laughs> oh, that's a great one. I, I love it. And uh, you know who loves that show? Who's like a mega super fan of the X-Files? Our friend Def Dave. Probably several of our friends who just maybe haven't gone quite as deep down the rabbit hole as Def Dave has. But yes, we've talked about the fact that Alex Trebek was on that show in one of our other episodes. And as soon as we bring up X-Files, our friends go, oh yes, you should know this. You should know this. Uh I watched the show. I watched it a bunch, but I did not, I, I didn't, become a Trekkie of the show. But it it has that same type of following as Star Trek and Star Wars. People go nuts for it. And I thought the movie was fantastic. Okay, so we're to our honorable mentions. So my first honorable mention, this show started in 1997, is currently running today. The theme song is performed by Primus. Yep, this is also one of my honorable mentions. And as I was going to tease it up for you, I was going to say the song played in the first four seasons as folk rock instrumentation with bass guitar, trumpets, and rhythmic drums. It's in the minor key and it features a tritone diminished fifth and I would have gone on and on like this and then I would have said, but you probably know it because a guy with a muffled face (laughs) says... I like girls with big fat titties like girls with deep vaginas. Oh, yes, this is the South Park theme. I'm going down to South Park, gonna have myself a time. Friendly faces everywhere, humble folks without temptation. I wouldn't have known any of that crap, except I would have known the muffled voice of Kenny. Heading on up South Park, gonna see if I can't unwind. Fantastic show, fantastic opening theme by the band who also brought us Winona's Big Brown Beaver. (laughs) Perfect. They actually sped the music up. This originally the song was a slower song, but it was so long that Comedy Central, by the way, Fox and them had it out. Like they couldn't reach a deal. You know why? Mr. Hanky the singing poo. Fox was like, We are not going to have singing. (laughs) <laughs> on our show and they said well then we're going to go somewhere else <laughs> their crazy history we've got to cover at some point i think that south park bigger longer and uncut may be the best musical law of all time one quick thing i want to mention on trey parker and matt stone yeah the creators of south park yep they met in film school i believe at the university of colorado Found out that they both really like Monty Python. They won some awards because they had stupid little cutouts and that they did stop motion with. And it blossomed into this mega nuclear bomb. It went viral. Yes. Meaning of Christmas. Featuring a wrestling fighting match between Jesus and Santa Claus. (laughs) The interesting thing to me here recently, they have purchased Casa Bonita in Denver. 
Okay. If you're unfamiliar, it, it's gigantic. I mean, it's got to be it's, tens of thousands of square feet. It's humongous. And it's just a restaurant. Yep. And while you're eating your tacos, you watch, you know, they have like a three-story waterfall and gorillas running around chasing each other. You know, it's a must stop when you're in Denver. All right. My second honorable mention. Yes. All right. I'm going to lose some cred on this one, I think. This theme song is from a TV show. Yes. That has the actress. Okay. That was in this TV show. She was also in Batman Begins. And she's also, for a time, was married to one of the biggest movie stars of all time. So this is Dawson's Creek. Yes. This is Dawson's Creek. You got it. I had to do the math. <laughs> like, I'm working backwards here. Okay. All right. Yes. Okay. Got it. Katie Holmes was, of course, married to Tom Cruise. Now yes. then, the theme song for Dawson's Creek was written and performed by Paula Cole. She wrote this song about her grandfather at the end of his life. Oh, wow. He was talking to her about all the mistakes that he made that he didn't want her to make. And she embraced that ideology and said, you know what? I want to live. I want to live like nobody else. And I don't want to wait. Love it. Love it, man. This song reached number 10 on the Hot 100. And it is a, I don't know, it's, it's kind of a great little makeout song for the late 1990s. We're creeping towards our number one, and I'm very concerned that it's the same song. Oh, I have no doubt. Okay. <laughs> I, have, I have literally no doubt. Okay. The fact that it hasn't come up means that it must be. It, it must be. Okay. Right. So I get to do a slide in here. Since you took one of my honorable mentions, that means I get to put another one back. Sure. So great. Good job. Glad we both had South Park. But now South Park's out of my honor, honorable mentions. Sure, sure. So first on my honorable mentions is a song that you guessed earlier. It is very similar. It is involves... The characters, Warner Brothers, and their little brother, Dot. And this song followed the show Tiny Tunes and has the, again, very similar style of music created for the show and has the line, we have baloney in our sacks. <laughs> this is Animaniacs. You got it. Yes. And here comes the title of the show. It's the Shirley You Can't Be Serious podcast. <laughs> yeah, this is a fantastic song. It's very catchy. I will sing it. And this show also had a wonderful song that was the presidents of the United States. Love it. It's great, man. I had a, uh, a friend in college. So imagine we're all watching, you know, the real world and the Jerry Springer show, you know, that type of thing in college. And he's watching Animaniacs like a, like a fool. He loved Animaniacs. <laughs> it's hysterical. <laughs> it is, it is just like the Looney Tunes where they've got the adult humor in with the little kid cartoons. It is a well done show. And by the way, that one also got re-released recently. Did it. Yeah. They re, they re-upped the show, I guess, if you will, for the 21st century. Great. Okay. Now, my other... Honorable mention, again, has the guy that played the harmonica in my number five from last episode, The Roseanne Show. He also played the harmonica on this song. It was composed by the same guy who is the son of the attorney that I worked for when I first started practicing law. It's crazy. Okay. It is. It's by Dan Foliart. And this music, I can't put my finger on 
what it is. They have a combination of a jazzy guitar, DJ Jazzy Jeff beat, and like a flute from Jethro Tull. You want to hear it? Yeah. There are no lyrics, but there is voice, and it comes from the bit by the main character in the show. There's no lyrics, but there's a voice. Yeah, you'll you know what I mean. Okay. Ready? Yeah. You got it. <laughs> no lyrics. Yes, you're absolutely right. This is home improvement. Yeah, great. So obviously that's Tim Allen. Yes. Who does the voice of Buzz Lightyear. Who infinity and beyond. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, I've run into a lot of people who don't understand that the name of the show is actually Home Improvement. They call it Tool Time. Right. You know? That was his show on the show. Right. Yeah. Funny show. Great show. Love that show. Okay. We ready for our, our, our shared number one here? Here we go. There's no question about what this can be. One. Here's what we're going to do, audience. I'm not going to tease up Jason. Okay. He's not going to tease up me. If you haven't guessed at this point... What this show is, well, I weep for you, but we'll go ahead and go, all right? So this this song was composed by a duo, a couple of guys named Danny <laughs> Wilde yes. and Phil Solem. They actually were together in a power pop quartet back in the early 80s, 1981, called Great Buildings. They had one album that came out, and then the band dissolved. They got back together in 1998 and named themselves after a famous Renaissance artist. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yep. They released a self-titled album, which they recorded mostly in Danny Wilde's home studio, but it had a successful song on it called Just the Way It Is Baby, which reached number 14 on the Billboard Hot 100. The album reached number 88. Their second album did not do as well, but they had a song called Rolling Down the Hill. I don't know if this was a comment on a Kate Bush song or not, but that song was used in Dumb and Dumber. Wow. Play it for you here. I recognize that song yeah. because I've seen Dumb and Dumber 16,000 times. <laughs> so at that point, they've signed with Warner Brothers, and this new show is developing. And the new show originally wanted the song, Shiny Happy People. Shiny but R.E.M. said no. Okay, first of all, R.E.M. is stupid because this song <laughs> went and became the show of the 90s and into the 2000s. It's huge. It was a star-making machine for all of these people. But that song is wrong for this show. Shiny Happy People? Yes. Yeah, no, I mean, you can't you, you can't associate any other song with the show. No, absolutely not. No. So this song was composed by Michael Skloff, who was the husband of one of the show's creators, Marta Kaufman, if you haven't got it yet, you're getting close. I guarantee it. <laughs> right. The lyrics were written by Marta Kaufman, one of the show creators. Yep. David Crane, another one of the show creators. Yeah. And Allie Willis, who helped the group Earth, Wind, and Fire write the song September. Oh. <laughs> Okay, 
You, do you still not know what it is? Do you ah. still not know, ladies and gentlemen? If you don't know, the name of the group is the Rembrandts, and the reason that they recorded this song is because they were the only band on Warner Brothers Records who was available to record it. This song, Jason, you introduce. This song is called I'll Be There For You by the Rembrandts. No one told you life was gonna be this way Your job's a joke, you broke You're not life's to your way It's like you're always stuck in second gear When it hasn't been your day, your week, your month Or even your year But I'll be there for you had to be no question about what the number one song was going to be. We've gone through all of the years of the 90s. This had to be it. Yeah. Most iconic show, most iconic song, without question. Yes. Have you seen the music video in 20 years? No. I mean, okay. I've seen the intro to the show at like right. weekly for the, my entire life. Right? <laughs> exactly, right? So the show's great. It's funny. You know, I resisted this show for the first couple of seasons because it was kind of the hip new show and kind of, you know, our age people. And I was like, I don't know. These people are kind of too beautiful for me. But the writing, I couldn't resist it any longer. It's just so good. It's such a great show. They developed the characters. Anyway, I, I just fell in love with it later. For you, again, this is the difference in our, our time, right? Yeah. So for you, when this show comes out, you're in this group, right? You're in the young, new professionals. This show came out the year I graduated from high school. And I will tell you this, and you can cut it if you'd like to. What prompted me to start watching this show was one of my friends goes, Oh, hey, dude, let's watch this show with the nipple girl in it. <laughs> <laughs> because Jennifer Aniston was always cold. God bless her. It was, yeah. Whatever you need to do to hook me in, once I was there, I was like, this show is friggin' fantastic. Hey, Jennifer Aniston in the late 90s was the it girl. So uh, here's a couple of things I got for you on this song. Okay. So you mentioned Michael Scloff. Yes. He's one of the guys who wrote this song. Yeah, wrote the music. Yes. He wanted this song to sound like Paperback Rider by the Beatles. I can actually see that. Yeah. What do you think? No, yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's solid. Right? When the Rembrandts recorded this song... They had a one-minute version of it, and it became so huge, they had to go back in the studio and extend the song, so they wrote a couple extra verses yep. and create that three-minute version of the song. Yep. Back to the video. Video is super fun. you got the Rembrandts, and they're playing, like, live, and here comes the cast of Friends, and they're stealing their sunglasses, and they're kind of taking over their instruments. The Rembrandts are trying to play the song, and Courtney Cox takes over the drops. <laughs> Her second video after the one with Bruce Springsteen in 1980. That's right. That's right. This song is still streamed over 96,000 times a week. Wow. It's incredible. It's ear candy. It's catchy. It's hooky. It's everything you want for a pop song. This is the 90s in a three-minute song. All right, ladies and gentlemen, tell us what you think. Did we get it right? Did we get it wrong? We both picked the same song for the number one spot. So what beats that? I think I mentioned Seinfeld whenever we were talking about it, but I don't know that that music really hits the way that this does. It was probably the second of the shows of the 90s for me, but it just 
It doesn't have the music like all these other shows I totally do. agree. It's not show, it's song. Tell us where we're wrong. Tell us where we're right. Tell us whether you agree or disagree. You can catch us on Twitter at Shirley Podcast. You can te- catch us on Facebook at Shirley Podcast. Or you can email us. We had an email recently by a guy who was like, I quit Facebook and Twitter, but I'm still listening to you guys. Alan Husted, we appreciate you, bro. That's right. Thank you. Thanks, Alan. Reach out to us on email. We've gotten great friends. We have. Dave, Def Dave, to, be, to begin with, who has reached out to us on email and said, hey, guys, why don't you do this? And now we, we talk daily. Yep. So please email us, shirleypodcast at gmail.com, and become our friend. Okay, next week, we've been kicking this one down the road. We're finally going to get together with the guys from the Film by Podcast, and yes. we're going to talk about what the heck happened with The Last Action Hero and Alien 3. I think there's a reason we've been kicking these down the road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we're going to talk about that. Yeah. And we're going to have fun doing it. So come back. Even if you hate these movies, we're going to have a great time. Trust me. Thanks, guys. We will see you next week.